0: FUBAR's World Fuck-Up with Joe Forrester and Hannah
1: Reese. Hello and welcome to FUBAR's World Fuck-Up, the show that's clinging on to the World Cup longer than Gianni Infantino before he finally decided to actually hand it over to Leo Messi. So that's it for another World Cup. And we're left with that peculiar feeling of emptiness, uncertainty and mild apprehension that usually accompanies the morning after the work Christmas do. When you thought it would be a good idea to serenade the entire party with an a cappella version of All I Want for Christmas before promptly throwing up his Sharon from Account's handbag. Anyway, the good news is that Leo Messi is finally a world champion, bowing out on the world of international football at Zenith with a swish of his traditional Qatari robe. Meanwhile, the creation national team seem to be the only ones who actually care about finishing third in the tournament. And Kylian Mbappe looks ever so glum, despite scoring a hat-trick in the World Cup final and now being only five goals away from being the outright top goalscorer in World Cup history. That is absolutely mental. Right, coming up on today's show, Todd from the Wombats is with us to look back on a bonkers tournament and tell us just who the barn elf is. Sports journalist Daniel Edwards joins us from a rocking Buenos Aires. We've also got Jeff uh, from the, I can't remember his name. We've also got Jeff Royce from The Athletic talking all things World Cup 2026, USA, Canada and Mexico. And we're going to be talking to sports psychologist Dan Abrahams. No Hannah today, so it's bound to be a good show because we've got Nicole Holiday instead. You're out, Nicole. Super sub. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, You enjoyed the World Cup
0: you know what I really have Uh, I had such mixed feelings as you know most people did heading into it and with it being in winter like that first England game sitting in a pub with about five jumpers on and drinking mulled wine uh, with a 1 p.m kickoff on a Monday Mm. just felt a bit wrong um but oh it's been such a good tournament hasn't it and that final what an incredible game of football those are the games where you kind of go how do people not like football yeah or sport like how ca- how does someone watch this and not enjoy it it was just absolutely brilliant wasn't it
1: it was i think that last 90 seconds of extra time when um france missed a header like by a centimeter down down um one end it went down oh no martinez made that save as well but down the other end as well then lautaro had a clear header in the box should have been that should have been the moment that argentina won the Mm -hmm. world cup and he headed it wide from like five yards and it's literally i was standing like head in hands i was like this is genuinely blowing my mind this match
0: it was incredible like and End to end stuff, exactly what you want to see from a final. And yeah, I think Qatar will be very happy with how it has panned out. And you've got to say, possibly or probably, the best World Cup final ever,
1: without a doubt. Right, let's bring in Todd from the Wombats. I'm so excited to say that. Um, right, let's just see if we can hear and see. Oh, I can hear Todd. Hello, hey, hello, hi,
2: How's hello, mate. Hey. How's it
1: going? Good, good, good. Um. I've only just calmed down after what I think was the best
2: World Cup final ever. Um, What did you make of it? I mean, it was just an absolutely unbelievable game. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, like... The thing is that it, it felt like it had like every aspect of the game, I thought. It was just that sort of like it kind of started like I thought just Argentina was so so much better than France. Yeah. And I thought like they were talking about them having a virus or whatever in the in the team. And I was like, Oh yeah, there's definitely something going on. Here. They have nothing to give. They, they've given up and then it's like 10 minutes left and that happens. And it's just so dramatic, isn't it? It was yeah. absolutely bonkers, yeah. yeah. That, All that, the drama that-, that you can wish for.
0: Yeah, that comeback from France, to be fair, was pretty insane. How nice was it to see Messi lift the World Cup? Oh, you just saying
2: that now gives me goosebumps. (laughs) Like, seriously, it it was so well-deserved. I was, like, I was so hoping for that. And I guess, like, because every every time, like, you know, France came back into the game and it kind of, like, like, oh, they're going to crush his his like, you know, know, like him, like, getting that final sort of uh, trophy that he didn't have. So, uh, yeah, I, I think everyone was like, oh, apart from maybe the French <laughs> fans, of course, but <laughs> I think everyone just wanted him on and, and thought it was well-deserved, so.
1: It was um, that moment we were just talking about myself and Nicole when, at, right at the end, when Lautaro missed the header and I just thought, that's, yeah. it's a goal, that's a goal.
2: And he somehow I, missed and I thought, Messi must missed it begin, so badly as thing. well. I just couldn't believe it. It was like, yeah, it's not like he freaked out or something and just, Yeah. And then, like uh, France had that like chance as well, and Martinez kind of like just got in there like with his foot, or was it or whatever? That could have been a goal as well, you know. It was incredible. Like, minute
1: left. Um, it was all a bit awkward, wasn't it? The the ceremony at the end when um, uh, President Macron kind of shaking hands with Lee, uh, with Kylian Mbappe and not yeah. letting go, kind of like a bit like like the drunk head of accounts at a Christmas party. He's
2: telling you what yeah. a good kid he thinks you are, and you're like, oh. Just- yeah. He, was, um, he was so disappointed was but then, then again like just put on the medal you know get on with it you know I mean it's easy to say when you watch it and he's obviously been through like 120 minutes or whatever of you know, pouring out all the last bits of energy he's got in his body you know like I, I can understand that it's uh, I mean it's a different feeling for him probably than, but then again you know he he's won it already it's like come on and he's got like probably three more World Cups in him so mm. he can win it again that's why that was, that was my take on it anyway. You just thought, you know, get, get on with it, you know, like at least talk to your president and, you know, like you can, yeah. you can give us a smile. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, I, um, I had to ask you, while well, we had you
1: yeah. on. So I worked on a show a few years ago where we looked at, it was a football show and we looked at different traditions around the world, how people celebrate Christmas, right? So I thought, yeah. okay, Todd's coming on. I'm going to start looking up Norwegian Christmas. And I yeah. found, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, f- Fojnism. The foj- the barn elf, the barn uh, elf. Is this a tradition oh, you know about? So, I oh sh- foj- you I on. The, are you, is this like Swedish maybe? So, so no. this apparently is a Norwegian Christmas, at like an ancient, um, like kind of myth story from yeah. Norwegian Christmas about an elf that lives in the barn. And yeah, of
2: if... oh, fure- Sorry, this is the...
0: <laughs> he had no idea what you were saying, Joe. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're trying to tell me my Norwegian is. That Sorry, it's on?
2: like yeah, you need to work on that a bit.
1: <laughs> so, 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 what, what, what's his deal, right? Because he's an evil elf that lives in the barn. It,
2: yeah, it, it, and you need to put out, uh, like you know, we, you know, people go into the like barn, so this is like usually for kids, you do, mm. or whatever. So you put out like a bowl of uh, porridge or whatever and the next day we'll be gone you know that's the sort of like myth and you know we we do that we, we do that sort of thing with the with the kids um now it's kind of more of a um like a naughty santa you know it's a little like naughty <laughs> santa thing that we put out like he's done like yeah. some pr- uh, prank or whatever like the christmas tree is full of toilet roll or something like that We were doing that sort of, sort of for my daughter this uh the build up to christmas so uh yeah every day he's doing something and then the last thing um he did was actually doing something nice there. So it was like, oh yeah, you got tickets for this like Christmas show or whatever. So he went to this like Christmas show. So he's been a ticket ending. master.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: it is quite weird talking about Christmas and the World Cup <laughs> in the same show. I can't but get It's yeah. also strange. Um, and, yeah. George, what have you made of the tournament as a whole? I mean,
2: I've, I've been enjoying it. Um a lot of really, there was a lot of obviously talks in the beginning and I sh- it shouldn't have been there. And the timing, of course, is awkward for the for the players that they have to like get like, uh, you know, out of, you know, in the middle of the season, basically mm-hmm. just having a break and then reset their minds and like being on, with the national teams. And some people, some players like the Norwegian team obviously didn't even qualify. So a lot of the Norwegian players, they just go like, you know, I've got a bit of holiday and, on you know, had to do their own sort of workouts and stay with the, the team or whatever. But um, yeah, no, it's, I, th- I think it's been really good, you know. Yeah. Uh, we were we were touring Australia around the time uh, of the the majority of the tournament and I was just so jet-lagged. So I was like, uh, and all the matches were in the middle of the night. So that was perfect. So when I woke up and couldn't <laughs> sleep, I was like, put oh, <laughs> the footy on. <laughs> it was brilliant.
1: <laughs> Are there any particular moments or players that that stand out for you from this tournament?
2: Well, it is, it's impossible to to talk about this World Cup without talking about Messi. Yeah. And um, I just like the the way the ball is kind of like glued to his feet, the way he moves with it. I just don't, and nobody does that. Like, nobody does that. It's it's like he, he somehow managed to get through players and he's always like a step ahead of everyone, you know. It's unbelievable. Uh, I like to think that Norway's got like a player that could be a bit like him, Martin. The giant, Odegaard, giant Messi. But- oh, <laughs> no, Odegaard. No, no, so uh, as an Odegaard, Arsenal fan, because yeah, like, um, he's like he also has that element of like the- making the right decisions, doing it kind of like thinking ahead a little bit quicker than everybody else, and he has the ball kind of stuck to his feet a little bit. Maybe with uh, with time, he can maybe achieve like do some of the same things. I think, but uh, but yeah, of course, Haaland as well is a uh, player that just like is doing ridiculous things in the Premier League at the moment, and it hurts my soul being a uh, Man United fan seeing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like also, by the way, Griezmann has been great up until I suppose mm. last night, yeah. the, the final. Yeah, yeah. But... What
2: happened? He was so like he had nothing in this. Uh, like he was so uh, so good in the semi-finals. Yeah. He was like. It was. Did he? Did he get the uh, player of the match? I think he did. In the, semis yeah. the yeah.
0: semis, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, He was controlling that.
0: Yeah, and then he was uh, just.
2: Yeah, strange. he didn't show up, did he?
0: No, uh, I feel like also, of course, we have to mention <laughs> England and the disappointment. Yeah. Well, that was a weird one because I think a lot of England fans were pretty happy with how we played in that game against France, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know we I were agree. kind of the, the better side, really. Yeah. Um, do we think that Southgate is right to stay on as manager? Then I think a lot of us knew that that was probably going to happen.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think what he's done to the team, and I feel, I feel like there's some sort of community about the scene in England. Has always like been this kind of like team that joins the Euros or the World Cup, having all these amazing individuals, but they never come come across as a team. You know, yeah. they always like. Um, yeah, and then yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's some sort of togetherness to play well together. I feel yeah. as well. Like, I mean, this it's a little yeah. Sometimes I feel like I wish they were a little bit more like eager to kind of like go forward. But sometimes I feel, like, especially from the from the from the from the back, you know, they could go a little bit like quicker um to the front uh, sometimes. But you know, I I I think they've been really good. I think that think they were much better than France as well. So I, I think know, France right? was, France were, like, they only had a couple of chances, France, really. Like, you know, and then they scored a score on those chances. England just didn't take the chances. And that was like, yeah, you, you need to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it felt
1: desperately unjust, that game. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's another reason why I was delighted to see Argentina win it last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, we're told, obviously, the, um, the EP, This Is What It Feels Like To Feel Like This, came out a few months ago. Um, yeah. So go and get that, go and listen to it, guys. Um, honestly, it's amazing, like, all the stuff that Wombats do is. But 2023.
2: Oh, thank you. Have we got gigs lined up? We're thinking festivals, that kind of thing? Yeah, we've got a few bits and pieces, but it's mainly, like, a year of, like, writing and, and uh, you know, focusing on being in the studio again, making some new songs. Uh, that will, you know, be a album six, yeah <laughs> it's album six yeah so so that that is the plan for 2023 really but we're going to India for the first time so we're Whoa. going to play in India uh in the back end of January and then we do a bunch of festivals Um uh, I'm not entirely sure what kind of festivals are announced yet so I'm, I, I, might, I might have to not talk too much about that maybe but we are playing a bunch of festivals this summer both in um in the in, in europe and in the uk awesome well i mean i'm really hoping to see you
1: guys next year i'm sure a lot of people are as well um thanks very much for coming on man we'll have to get you on again to talk united when the premier league restart yes that'd be brilliant <laughs> thank you very much Todd. really appreciate <laughs> your time mate thanks man. nice one thanks for having me yeah, awesome. Later. Thanks, Todd. Right Cheers, now, let's nicer. head over to a rocking Buenos Aires. Um, I wonder if anybody in Argentina has been to sleep. Um, I seriously doubt no. <laughs> it. Um, you I mean you just wouldn't, would you? Um, Daniel Edwards, sports journalist based in Buenos Aires, is with us now to talk us through what must have been an absolutely bonkers night. Hello, good morning. Hello, mate. First question is. Um, how much sleep have you had?
3: <laughs> surprisingly decent amount of sleep, but that was because I got to the point last night where I just couldn't go any, on any longer. Like, so it's such an intense day, intense celebrations, and and yeah, by the time I got back, got to about midnight, that that was enough for me. I'm I'm not a young man anymore, and <laughs> that was fine straight into bed. So surprisingly uh, fresh this morning, all um, relative.
1: What, what was the reaction in Argentina? to that game because I was watching it head in hands jumping up and down off the sofa it was absolute it was just it was bonkers it's one of if not the maddest game of football I've ever seen Mm -hmm. particularly given the context of the World Cup final Messi's final game for Argentina as well how on earth did people in Argentina handle it?
3: No just every single twist and turn uh, people on the edge of your seat so you know I live in in an apartment in in Buenos Aires and quite annoyingly my neighbour's TV feed was about Half a second ahead of mine. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> so, could,
3: so annoying. We could hear everything um, just before, you know, seeing it on TV and just yeah. hearing. So it was good. It kind of took a bit of the tension out because in the penalties, oh. you could hear,
0: oh, come on,
3: <laughs> for, uh, for each, for each uh, bit that went in Argentina's way. Um, but no, all through the match, just uh, gripping, gripping stuff. Yeah. And people really just. Hoping Argentina could get over the line, you know, after being ahead so so much in that final. And then once the penalties were done, like floods of people just going into the streets, the car horns going. Um, I don't know how many people were in the streets of Buenos Aires, all through yesterday, but probably three, four million, definitely considering everyone who was in their neighborhoods and went down to the to the center and no, incredible, incredible stuff, like once-in-a-lifetime stuff.
0: I would have been fuming if my neighbour was giving me spoilers through the wall, <laughs> through their TV. I would be livid. Um, it was such an eventful game. Were there any moments in particular that you thought it would be slipping away and that France were going to win it? I think
3: there were two key moments, really, for Argentina. Those last 10 minutes after Mbappé scored a fantastic goal to tie at 2-2. Where it looked like France had the fresh legs, they'd use all their subs, they were really going for it. Argentina just had to dig down and, and hold on. And then the final minute of extra time after they oh, managed to equalise it. it again, the save from Divo Martinez. Oh. <laughs> the, that save, which is going to make his career, is going to be replayed over and over and over and over again in, in Argentina on the same level as you know as the actual goals in the World Cup, mm. because that really did... Win Argentina the World Cup. What a save! What a save! Um, and you felt like if that didn't go in, and Argentina could go to penalties, they had the edge. They could they could go all the way to win it, and and that's what it proved to be. Fantastic. But you know, but then it went straight down the other end, and Lautaro missed
1: a sitter, clear header, yeah. and just made such a poor. And I was like, oh my! Like how? Like that? <laughs> that was it. That's the World Cup. Like got in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, such tension like you say um what was the reaction uh of people in argentina to messi wearing the bist? this is the traditional qatari robe that he mm-hmm. had put on him at the end um and i kind of get the argument for okay like obviously like uh, the world cup is a huge cultural event and they're the hosts but the hosts don't traditionally do that it's it's that's a moment for the players and the greatest player of all time had his argentina shirt and the badge covered up and it felt like a real pr move cuz it was the uh, emir of qatar who put it on him and i thought it's not it's not your moment fifa the organizers anyone like that so i don't know it didn't it, it it felt a bit off to me i wondered what what you made of it
3: yeah i remember you know obviously did a double take when when the rug came out. but at the <laughs> same time i think uh the move was such here that Messi could have stripped off on the podium and <laughs> been received the World Cup absolutely stark naked and no one would have been to know the main thing was that he had that cup in his hands um, <laughs> yeah. oh, brilliant to see for Messi like the the little kiss he gives the World Cup before uh, you can see how much it meant for him and, and it felt like that the whole tournament you know you wanted to win it for Argentina uh, the people wanted this cup, but they wanted it more than anything for Messi. Like that was the photo everyone wanted to see. Messi holding the World Cup finally, and I don't think a robe or any other uh piece of piece of costume is uh is gonna change that. That um, I've got to admit, that moment
1: where he got player of the tournament award and walked past and kissed the World mm. Cup. Yeah,
2: that's one of my
1: favourite images <laughs> ever in football. When he did that and the smile on his face when he looked up, I was like, oh man, that is that's football, right well, there. That's what it's all about. Beautiful, but, beautiful the moment, only yeah.
0: The only moment that could potentially beat that was then Emmy Martinez uh, doing the pose with the golden glove.
1: <laughs> oh my God, oh, he's an absolute <laughs> lunatic.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, oh, I mean, it made me laugh, but I was also like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, what? kicking the ball away during the shootout as well. Like, <clears throat> honestly, yeah. the arch
3: villain, and I thought, I love it. I love yeah, to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> What was your favorite moment of the tournament then, Daniel?
3: Uh yeah. So first of all, Emi Martinez is clearly unhinged. Um <laughs> he talks a lot. He talks a lot about how he goes to his um his therapist and how that's managed to get him centered and a less uh, less anxious person. And there's kind of a running joke in Argentina that the therapist doesn't actually exist. It's all in his head, and he's <laughs> kind of having these long conversations. Um <laughs> Just makes him a little bit more, more crazy and but it seems to work for him. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, the final, you know, um uh seeing Messi lift the World Cup. That's just a moment you're not gonna forget. Um Martinez's uh two penalty saves against Netherlands as well after yeah. a very similar match. You know, Argentina being on the verge of victory and um <sighs> and letting it get back at two-all. Um and then I think just all through the tournament, you know the way they came back against Mexico. A game that let's not not forget. If they lost, they were they were heading home after the yeah. second game. It was absolutely do or die. Um, and the team rallied and managed to get through that game after another brilliant goal from Messi. do um, I pick a pick a moment from Messi? almost, the assists against um, against the Netherlands. The assists against Croatia. Oh, the goals okay. he scored. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, what a tournament! To be yeah. in Argentina and just take it all in. Um, yeah. uh, unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, listen, Daniel, thank you so
1: much for joining us, mate. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Massive congratulations to everybody in Argentina. It was, it was. If it couldn't be England, that was the album yeah. that I think yeah, we'd, we'd have exactly. wanted. Um, nice one, mate. Thank you very, very much, Daniel. Um, Cheers, guys. Thanks. Right, okay. Now it is time. Given that it's the end of the series, for a World Cup whiz hosted by Nicole Holiday. So. <laughs> We have partnered with the guys at thefootballgame.co. It's a brand new football game that's coming out next year. We're hoping to do a bit more work with them. Basically, I love making up stupid football quizzes for my mates and we do them in the pub, right? So there's a game called Starting Eleven, which we do, um, which I heard somewhere else and have kind of reformatted to work with the lads in the pub. And like whenever we go to like an event, a wedding or whatever, my mates come over and be like, "Um, you've got a good Starting Eleven for us today. And I'll sit down, I'll be like, yes villa west ham 2008 like Sometimes. whatever like oh it's so good literally it's just like at that point everybody's partners are like oh, just walk <laughs> away and leave us all sitting there um so when i found out that these guys were and it's actually one of my mates who I play starting 11 with sent me the link to these guys website they're making basically a quiz that um rewards obscure football knowledge and they've been kind enough to send us some world cup themed prototypes anyway let's bring in richie sheehy musician and comedian and also the man who has been dubbed cork's biggest liverpool fan but that will not help him today because it's a battle of wits against yours truly richie how
4: you doing mate i'm grand man how are you
1: yeah very well thank you very well um are you uh ready mentally after the drama of last night's final for an even bigger yeah. contest facing me in a world cup quiz uh,
4: just, just about yeah 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 no I was uh <laughs> i was i was big on going for argentina like so um i was quite happy but it was very nerve-wracking all right like mm.
1: everybody in the world outside of france is delighted this morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got to say that i um, right so the way the game works is basically we're gonna have 30 seconds each we bid against each other to say how many of each things we think we can name so okay. nicole is going to read out a question um so for example as like I said how many Brazilian forwards can you name I think I can name two four six and then when one of us calls the other one out they have to do it and whoever wins from that takes the point there's three questions 30
0: seconds to name them or as yes. many as you can do
1: okay. um so Nicole I'm gonna hand over to you
0: oh I've never been a quiz master really I quite like the power of yeah, it yeah the
4: power I can see
1: it's going yeah, to your
0: head it's quite nice Richie do you think you're quite good at quizzes
4: Uh, I'm not sure if I'm good at quizzes uh, the morning after the World Cup final.
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: That's the spirit.
1: Yeah. I ate half a wheel of brie, so I feel you, bro.
0: (laughs) Okay. Guys, serious now. Yes. sorry, sorry. first question is, Mm. how many nations can you name that have won the World Cup? Richie, how many do you think you can name in 30 seconds?
4: Uh, I give it eight anyway. Eight. Okay.
0: Oh. I feel like that's pretty
1: Is that... <laughs> he's he's gone in with quite a big move there because I don't know whether to call him or not. He's, he's really he's really alpha alpha mailed me there, like an old silverback coming in. <laughs> like,
0: I mean, I feel like you're that's worrying
4: me now, but I'm like, no, I think it should be pretty grand, to be honest. Like I
0: feel like that's naming all of them pretty much. I'm just going through my list, Joe. You have a little thing. Wouldn't about be hard to them. name all of them though?
1: I can <laughs> I can name ten, Nicole. <laughs> are you still counting, Nicole?
0: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think there are ten, Joe. There aren't ten. I have nine <laughs> on this list.
1: Oh, well, I suppose Richie better call me then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i call you on that. So yeah.
1: Okay, no cool. Nicole, have you let's, got the timer
3: ready? Let's
0: hope my my sources are correct. <laughs> okay, so you've got a thirty second timer, Joe. Yes. You think you can basically name every nation that has ever won the World Cup? Yes. Okay, I'll count you in. I'll do three, two, one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. God,
0: I'm nervous for you. Okay, three, two, one, go.
1: Uh, Uruguay. Yeah. Brazil. Hmm. West Germany. Oh. England. Yeah. Argentina.
0: Yeah.
1: France. Oof. Yeah. Um, you know some others that I'm sure are very good at. You've got football. ten seconds. Some Argentina. Oh, my God, who else has won the World Cup? Literally, who else has won the World Cup? Italy. Yeah. Oh, two seconds.
0: <laughs> that's it. It's, seven. That's it. I think. You didn't the mention only one... Spain, did you? Did you say Uruguay?
4: I said Uruguay. Yeah. I
1: got Ooh, seven. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, you almost Germany, France, Germany, Argentina, Spain, Italy, um, Brazil,
4: mm-hmm.
0: England. Mm-hmm uh Uruguay yeah (laughs) I think you just didn't get one
1: I was missing one that's going to haunt me forever I'm sure people are going to tweet us and let us know um (laughs) right that's one nil to Richie um Nicole what's the next question
0: the second one is really
1: favors me. me
0: players in England's 2006 World Cup squad how many can you name so there are 23 go on then Richie how confident are you? How many can you name in 30 seconds? Not,
4: not hugely confident. But I'd say I could okay. probably name a 12 or But um... It's more than me. <laughs> it's a lo- I mean, it's a long, t- it's
1: 16 years ago. And I mean, I know I'm very old, but my memory is not what it was.
0: You are old. Do um, you know what?
1: 12, you're saying, Richie? Yeah. I'm going to call you on that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to call you on 12. That 30 seconds goes quick.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, God, this is a big list. I'm going to have to. My eyes going to have to work very quickly. Okay, twelve members of the England 2006 World Cup squad. You've got thirty seconds. I'll count you in. Three, two, one. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Go.
4: Theo Walcott, Peter Crouch, yeah, uh, Gary Neville, uh, Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney, um, son Campbell, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah you six. Um, God, it does go fast, damn. Um, who's the keeper? Oh, it's killing me. I'm done already. Um... You've got five seconds. No, I just oh. blanked completely, like, uh... Oh, I guess we know it, a lot more it. English players from the 2006 squad, but after that <laughs> initial it. burst, I was like, nah, it's done. I was like, Theo Walcott was brand new then. Um, <laughs> You did so well. You started off so strong. I I
1: empathise with Richie though because there's a moment where the like it, it you basically think you're running away with it and then the lack of confidence hits you and it's one of the many reasons I'm not yeah, a professional yeah. sportsman and I just go oh, I just God I'm, that's it for me I'm ice all over I've ruined it yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. shrink into
4: myself
0: oh yeah 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 absolutely I'd that's probably what I probably miss mean.
4: Liverpool players and everything like I mean it's pretty poor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's tough. It's it's a lot harder than I feel like anyone listening at home will be like, "What? that's so easy. But when you've got the time pressure and you're on the spot, it's actually really difficult to do, isn't it?
1: So, so that makes it one all going into the final question, Nicole.
0: That does make it one all. So the last question, which I'm not going to lie, is going to be a nightmare for me to try and <laughs> follow what you say. So I'm hoping that you're both going to be really bad at it. The final question is nations that have hosted the World Cup. So how many do you think you guys can name in 30 seconds, Richie?
4: Oh, God. I mean, I can name six, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> you see, the, the confidence has yeah, gradually yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I was going to start off and be like, three uh, um yeah you're right. starting
0: too high i think i think so that's where you're going wrong
1: i'm going for nine
0: nine okay
1: i feel quite good about this one
0: okay so joe you think that you can name nine which are you going to go seconds. any higher than yeah. that
4: no i think i 10 and 30 seconds is too much and uh you can i like i'm thinking you can kind of go with the you just put the, the year after it, and you nearly always have the... Uh, I think that's probably what you're... Uh, I, I'm going to have to call you on the nine. Yeah, it to be. the nine gears. Come on. uh
1: Come on, for Leo. For Leo, come on.
0: <laughs> okay, you are going to re- potentially reel through them, and I'm going to have to look very quickly through the list. So, Joe, can you yes. name nine in 30 seconds? I'll count you in. Three, two, one, go.
1: Qatar, Russia, yeah, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, I've forgotten the one before that. Germany, yeah, um, Italy, yeah, uh, Uruguay,
0: yeah,
1: England, um, Argentina, yeah. Mexico
0: argentina mexico i think you have smashed that let me let me just clarify with my sheet oh, argentina man. mexico yes you had 11 seconds to spare as well
1: i know i actually know how leo messi felt last night now but you,
0: <laughs> you smashed that
1: thank you very much that is a really really proud moment for me and my family so
0: that's a big well moment. congratulations joe i believe you are the winner
4: thank you very much Nice to see uh, a trophy going to England eventually.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Someone had to win one for us.
4: <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah, God I brought it home.
1: Um, <laughs> right, uh, Richie. Just before we let you go, what, what did you make of the tournament overall?
4: Um, I, it was actually pretty great. To be honest, like I, I didn't. Re- I wasn't really too gone on it at the first. At the start of it, I was. I was like, no, nah, I'm not watching it, you know. Yeah. was going to all that stuff? <laughs> and then it seeped in. Uh, the, the the knockouts are unreal. They're they're amazing. Like yeah. Um. The yeah, I think the, the Netherlands Argentina match probably the match of the tournament. I'd say. Oh well, the final. <laughs> Until honest, the final. Yeah. Um. I oh, Yeah. It was great. It was a great tournament in the end. Like um. I I kind of I was kind of going for Uruguay initially um <laughs> for Nunez and Suarez, you know. The most uh, evil team in world football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, let's go Madrid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, like when they like it was it was pretty much Uruguay and then it was like ah, uh, second like Messi to win it. Like uh then when Uruguay were out pretty early, it was like right full on energy. So I was pretty delighted. Um
1: Richie, listen, mate, um,
4: just quickly are you are you gigging at the moment? What's coming up for you Christmas and the new year? Um well what's coming up Christmas is not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: it's nearly Christmas. It's, uh, isn't
4: it? A lot of chilling out, not doing much. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm uh, gig, gigging all around, like stand up comedy in, in Dublin and Cork and Ireland, just around the place. Um, I entered a song to be Ireland's representative in the Eurovision. Yep. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> who knows where that will go? Um, Amazing. the song, the song's good. At some point, I mean, if it if it doesn't get picked, like the broadcaster picks six to be on like the Irish late night chat show in February, if it doesn't get picked, then I'll uh I'll just release the song anyway. You know um the unofficial Eurovision
1: anthem it could be the unofficial Eurovision anthem
4: right yeah exactly yeah yeah um look Ireland has won Eurovision since like 98 or something so it'd be nice to to bring it back but um but sure if not anyway I'm quite happy with the song I'm looking forward to releasing the song anyway after getting it done so uh we'll see how that goes that's kind of the main project on right now
1: Amazing. Thank you very much, Richie. Do check um, out Richie on Twitter and Instagram. It's Richie Sheehy. Um, All of his uh, work, comedy gigs, the music as well. Um, And just basically get on his timeline and say how much you want him to be Ireland's representative in the Eurovision. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. surely got to swing things. Um, Listen, thanks very much, mate. We'll have to get you back on to talk about Liverpool in the new year. Yeah, on real. Nice one,
4: man. After a nice break. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it i needed a bit of time off from spurs as well i feel you Um, uh, thank you very much richie um it's a real pleasure having you, you on. thanks for joining us
4: cheers thanks so much guys hey, okay.
1: so it's time for the big conversation it's uh the bit of the show where we have an in-depth and uncensored chat about the controversies facing this year's world cup but in fact we're not talking this year's world cup oh no 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 we're talking the next world cup yep for the final episode we thought we'd look ahead to the tournament in 2026 which is being held in the usa mexico and canada so there have been 16 host cities that have been announced so far fifa could potentially change the group stage round to accommodate an extra 12 teams This talks of penalties in the group stages who on earth knows what's going to happen it does sound like a fun tournament though so joining us is jeff reuter staff writer for the athletic who covers north american soccer um jeff thank you very much for joining us
6: yeah it's uh refreshing to not have to talk about that round of 16 defeat against louis van hall so <laughs> i'm happy to look forward four years my friend And also it's quite refreshing because as I understand
1: it, you're you're stuck in seven inches of snow. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. There's that as well, but you know, Um, first things first. (laughs) Well, initially there were three individual bids for the tournament. We've ended up with three host nations. I should say I'm very excited about this tournament and I'm kind of thinking in my head already and I get away in four years time and do maybe I can do New York and see if I can get down to Mexico and like try to already working it out. Uh, But we've got three host nations, USA, uh, Mexico, and Canada. Now, obviously, um, Mexico is a traditional soccer nation, USA more so in the last 20, 30 years, um, and of course have the infrastructure to deal with major sporting events, kind of given the stadiums and the logistics, that kind of thing. I suppose one question I would have is Is Canada, which has two of the uh, host stadiums, is Canada ready from an infrastructure point of view for a Soccer World Cup?
6: Yeah, I, I think that Canada, I mean, their presence, you know, you're not giving it a slight by, by mm-hmm. throwing it in as kind of that third factor. I think that initially this appeared like it was going to be logically a bid between the United States and Mexico, two federations that are continuing to try to find ways to work together with their domestic leagues between Liga MX and Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're creating new competitions on that front. So I think a lot of us were prepared for that. Now, of course, Canada does have three clubs within Major League Soccer in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. And so their presence was kind of inevitable the 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 president right now of CONCACAF the region is canadian as well so there's a little bit of continuity in that front but in in terms of whether or not they'll be ready uh i mean they don't have the same you know big nfl stadiums uh that you would have for Uh, In the United States, you don't have the Estadio Azteca, you know, those sort of like legendary grandiose, you know, 80,000 seats or larger, which is essentially the point of this tournament. The reason that you have this tournament in the United States, the reason that you have this tournament in North America as a whole is for attendance. It's still the highest attended World Cup in history, the 1994 edition um, that ended up launching Major League Soccer by proxy. Um, And when you look at Canada, I mean, they're going to be using Toronto FC's field. And so that's a capacity of 30,000. That's going to be one of the smallest venues uh, at this particular tournament when you get to vancouver you'll have fifty-four thousand, and that is uh that is a field that has gotten some concerns from players using the surface in terms of the quality of the maintenance of it it's one of those partially covered fields so at times certain areas of the pitch get burnt and other parts aren't so uh there will be some logistical questions in terms of that but in terms of the cities themselves in terms of toronto and vancouver Mm. as municipalities essentially i mean they do have major city uh transportation they do have the hosting accommodations they do have the transportation infrastructure and all of that where they should at least be able to facilitate but again the question is going to be if those venues end up being utilized to such a great margin and in the biggest games as the u.s and mexico's inevitably will be
1: i think it's interesting as well because kind of given the context of this world cup people are like well okay hey if if a few stadiums need some upgrades and some up- updates that's fine it's not like building seven new stadiums right. <laughs> that might never get used again like like it's happened uh this right. time around and let's talk about the teams on the field so everybody expected certain things i think from the the teams will be the host nations in in three years time i think right. usa obviously knocked out by the netherlands i think that's a good result getting out of the groups ultimately netherlands louis van haal you and i talking about it off air great coach yes. legendary coach <laughs> i'm That's sure right. you've been talking That's about right. it a lot a lot um right. mexico were largely disappointing until the last group game i think people were disappointed not to see the attacking style of football and canada everybody loved finished That's bottom right. of their group somehow <laughs> while simultaneously being one of the best teams to watch in the group stage um, where will these three teams be preparation wise in four years time
6: I think that the U S will expect to be head and shoulders above the other two contenders by 2026. They're the, the national team program, the pool that has the most players playing in the top five divisions the uh, top five leagues of Europe. And so they have good representation at top level competition. The, the, the biggest hangup, obviously, when a host nation doesn't have to go through qualification, they're relatively untested, mm. uh, especially if you're not from Europe, South America or Africa, where you do have truly great continental competitions the Gold Cup in North America is not going to be as strong of a test uh, as those competitions, the Euros uh, Copa America all these competitions, and so I think that for the United States they will probably be looking to get into the Copa America, which they hosted back in 2016 uh, in order to get that sort of freshening up, but they look at their player pool, they look at the youth of it, they look at the top end talent, they look at the players who didn't even really perform at this World Cup, namely Giovanni Reina, as potentially being able to take that next step forward and do better than the round of 16 i think for them quarterfinal or further is going to be mandatory for it to be a successful tournament mexico is in a bit of a changing of the guard they have a lot of players i think they had seven players who had combined for over 800 caps for the national team that were representing them at this tournament who will very unlikely represent them in 2026 so there's going to need to be that sort of roster churn that was already underway when javier chicharito hernandez and carlos velo were phased out of the pool now of course they didn't have goals right? And it does seem ludicrous that you would leave your top goal scorer who was a finalist for Major League Soccer's Player of the Year award. uh, You know, look, he's not the same player. Chicharito is not going to be doing the exact same motion. But um, it was pretty clear that they missed him at this tournament. And obviously, he will not be available for selection in 2026. I would be pretty surprised if he's still playing at a high level at that stage. So uh, for them, I think that they're much more nervous. They don't have that sort of youth pipeline of players who are already embedded with great European clubs to be able to oversee their development at the highest level, quite like the United States and Canada. Canada is going to need to do some work in refining their shape. I think John Herdman got caught out as naive, especially after the F Croatia song and dance routine, uh, which (laughs) aged terribly (laughs) (laughs) when you look at the fates of the two sides. But, um, you know, beyond that, their issues were twofold. They were in defense and they're in midfield Mm. and they don't have uh, obvious prospects in those two areas, particularly if you look at center half, they do have fullbacks. They're very good with width. They're very good with pace and with attacking, but now they need to build that sort of core. And that's where they were caught unaware against teams like Morocco, Belgium, and Canada. So, or in Croatia, excuse me. Yeah. So themselves they, they outplayed themselves in midfield and training grounds. Sure. Uh, but I think that all <laughs> the same as a result of it, Um, they will still look to improve off of this. They Mm. will still expect to be able to get out of a group, for example, regardless if there's three or four within the group, they'll see a hosting as kind of a mandatory excuse for uh, making more progress than they did in this past issue.
1: So we're also going to be seeing something quite different from, I'm I'm hesitant to use the word innovative when it comes to FIFA, um, because (laughs) I'm I'm always kind of wary about how any of their initiatives are going to work. Yeah, 48 teams. So theoretically, you're kind of like, OK, well, that's more football. That's kind of cool. But then you're like, well, hang on. My maths isn't the best, but is that 16 groups of three, 12 groups of four, 24 groups of two? I mean, right. <laughs> <how> do, <laughs> hey. 48 of one. How do, how do we do? How's this going to work?
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a mess with that. And this is actually it's great. This is a this is a piece I just wrote that might be going up later today on The Athletic. Um, how will that 48 team World Cup work? it's still very much nebulous. And I think that even today, Johnny Infantino giving his end of tournament remarks did not really give much away. In fact, he actually walked back what had been assumed as the 16 of three model, um, as it's quickly known, and Mm. saying that because of the 14 group stage, oh, people like that, we forgot, maybe we should reconsider that and admitting that they kind of overlooked the reality of how popular the current format is. Um, I mean, personally to me, if you're going to inevitably grow this World Cup to 64, which I think we all know they're just going to continue to add teams, this is Mm. FIFA after all, just do it now because then you can have two concurrent tournaments like two world cups side by side you do the top half of the you know a through help me with this the letters the alphabet a h i believe it is yeah. and then all and the then, way and then the worst teams compete against each other afterwards
1: yeah, or yeah, yeah, you you say, yeah, it, yeah you could
6: do a round robin you could do the consolation tournament if you want to as well the, the europa league of the world i, I Cup was, was gonna whatever. say the europa league <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever the case is you could pull it off and and i think it, it actually makes much more sense as a format because you have Two issues. If you do 16 by three, the group stage is a mess. You have the the disgrace at Guillaume factor where you could have a dead rubber game in the third where both mm-hmm. teams know they need a draw to advance. And so it's the most dull disgrace of the sport and competition that you've yeah. ever seen. But the knockouts make perfect sense because then if you have two teams coming out, you have 32 teams in a bracket. That's a very clean bracket. You just add one more round to the current format. If you do 12 of four, you're going to need to give buys to eight of the 12 group stage winners, most likely. I think that that's the cleanest way. So you do the, the top point getters and goal differential, but that's an absolute mess because that's not, if, if you let in one goal in stoppage time, we love the drama of it, but that, that means you have to play an additional game. Um, mm. It's just, it's not necessarily the right clear sporting format, you know, so it, it's a mess, <laughs> but Sorry, it's, it's FIFA. Yeah. So
1: yeah, because I kind of, assu- I don't know why, because I'm so used to 32 team tournament. I kind of assumed that, one team, on oh no, a hang on, how would this work? Two teams would go through from each, yeah, the sixteen groups of three, yeah. then you've got your thirty two and then it's another group stage, but no you it would be a round of thirty two, yeah, theoretically, then sixteen quarterfinals I think,
6: I think you'd have to, because at that point yeah. both, every team has already played two games, and so you can't really say, you know sixteen teams are going to get two games. And then another 16 team, you know, that, that math doesn't add up. Does it? Um, no, okay, it does. It does. 16 get to get this is ridiculous, isn't it? And I and think this is this is the point is we've been talking about this 48 team World Cup in nebulous, right? We've been talking about it as a concept. We've just accepted it as like there will be 48 teams we will figure it out in four years time. There is no logical sporting format. For this, unless you radically reinvent tournament sports, mm. <laughs> which yeah. is something that is the Olympics have tournaments. There's around the world, there are competitions. There, these formats have been explored. These formats have been watertight. There's a reason that you see 16 teams, 32, 64 mm. as the most common formatting. If you go into American sports, there's March Madness with college basketball. Mm. And in that format, it's 64 spots. And so people are used to this, right? Yeah. I, I think that you understand how you can format these competitions and right now with 48 teams there's no real logical way uh to, to finish that initial thought though uh, to if you do it the way that we're talking about here where you have two group stages <laughs> two games for 16 teams five games for another and then you potentially have up to four more games so there could be one team playing nine games in a month if they were able to win throughout it's ridiculous
1: <laughs> it really <laughs> yeah, no, is no, nothing says uh enjoy the world cup like having to have a degree in higher <laughs> mathematics. Um, right. and just just finally, Jeff, um, what, what predictions do you have? Could could the USA perhaps win a World Cup on home soil? Will we see uh, penalties in the group mm. stages? I know it's, it's a long way out, but, <laughs> but what do you think is going to happen in this tournament?
6: Yeah, I think that we're not done with the innovation. I, I don't think it will stop at 48. I think that they will see the media infrastructure of the United States, the, the national, again, the attendance potential, the fact that, Outside of the host cities, you also do have major league soccer where all of these teams are building soccer specific stadiums. So they say, okay, how do we able to enable this? Are we going to have a case where every single team has a home stadium they're training in and then they're having scrimmages against the local MLS club or the local uh, USL club or whatever the case may be, uh, there is a real possibility that we're going to have these ridiculous kind of one-off games that are trying to be fanfare. Maybe they'll bring um, Diana Ross out of retirement or something so that she can kick another penalty, right? Or just find a reenactor. Or teach Harry
1: Kane how to take
6: penalty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You were going to say it, not me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's going to be, I could see them trying to come up with something like the NBA All-Star Slam dunk contest. MLS has something called the Skills challenge where you have eight players from both MLS and Liga MX compete in these little, they look like the FIFA training drills when you're at the loading yeah. screens of the video game and you just have to pass into the certain nets and you have to chip it over three defenders and into the goal or whatever. They did that with major league soccer and Liga MX over the last couple of years. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do a world cup format, which I think would be fantastic. Um, just if we're all going to have to watch everything anyway, they might as well have some fun while they're doing it, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I think the the penalties in the group stage thing, I think it'll be explored. I think it's a little too soon. I think that that's a very radical format change with just three and a half years notice. Um, but, hey, it's FIFA. <laughs> They've surprised us all before. I was going to you, say the
1: same thing. This is FIFA.
6: <laughs> and if we know anything, if we know anything about FIFA, Joe, is that they will do it with full integrity, clear eyes and the priority of the quality of the sport above any other consideration.
1: Absolutely. And and if you see any of them wearing brand new Rolexes, that is just a coincidence. Just should... a coincidence. It's a gift. It was a lovely gift. That's right. <laughs> um, hey, listen, Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, do go and check out Jeff's work, by the way, uh, all of his stuff, at the athletic all of his brilliant work and follow him on Twitter. At Jeff Reuter, that's J E F R U E T E R to check out all of Jeff's fantastic work. Thank you very much, Jeff. Any time, absolutely. Okay, so after my uh, well-deserved victory, rich- victory over Vichy, victory over Richie—too um, much cheese—it's uh, time for the World Cup's funniest moments. Um, a big international tournament always throws up some weird moments, and today it's about body art. Now, footballers are famous awful tattoos Mm -hmm. essentially when you've got too much money and no real knowledge of what the real world is like you just do mental things with your money um and richarlison is the latest footballer to do this so he's got a tattoo of his own face on his back alongside ronaldo the original ronaldo fat ronaldo my favorite player of all time and neymar now apparently he didn't ask them because neymar has sent him they're good mates sent him 26 grand to get it removed so that's Stop. that's quite a specific amount. He must have Googled how much to get a black yeah. tattoo. Yep, okay, 26,000. Um, Nicole, would you ever get a tattoo of any of your friends or colleagues' faces?
0: Are you Are you asking me to get a tattoo of you on, on my body? Because I've done it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I've, whereabouts? I've
0: done it. Um, can you imagine if I was like, look at my foot, here's a picture of me and you hugging from 2015. Also, the tattoo, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's I don't I don't love it. It's also very large. And I, I think Neymar looks a bit strange in it as well. That's probably why he's given him money. And where's he plucked 26 grand from? Do
1: you know what it looks like? It looks a bit like when, you know, you go to like a fairground and people have done that dodgy art on like the side of the waltzers. Mm. It's done in that kind of style, like someone who's obviously got an art GCSE, but that was about the limit of their yeah. ability.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I just think. Like, has he got no one? Like, is his, is his wife or like his family not going? Oh, he goes, oh, I'm going to get this. Go, really? You just get like a little Brazil flag or something on your ankle. Like, this would yeah. be
0: too much. It's, it, it, can, yeah, can you imagine going into the workplace and being like, hey, hey, Shirley, you're all right. Um, I got this tattoo of us on the weekend. Bit weird.
1: Um, also, this is a good show where we like to celebrate crime. And an Argentina fan stole a bus full of passengers and drove four kilometers so he could get home in time for the kickoff of their semi-final against Croatia. Now, did he invite, do you think he invited them in after? Because it's like, well, what are you doing? I was on my way to Sainsbury's now outside your house.
0: Yeah, I respect that. I mean, you'd be livid if you're a fellow passenger and it's driven the completely wrong way. It'd be quite convenient if you live near him. But I mean, people are just insane, aren't they? I like the dedication. Yeah. I kind of of like that story, but I'm also like, hon, you can't do that. In, in like real life in normal life you can't just steal buses
1: my friend myself and my friend harry were once on a the 33 going to richmond
0: shout out the 33
1: big up the 33 i would say circa 20 years ago um it was about 7 p.m on a friday night and um we like harry was like oh, i really need a wee i really need a wee i really need a wee and the driver overheard this i'm not i'm not joking this mm. is real and literally like lent out his little booth and was like don't worry mate um turned all the lights off on the bus and drove us all the way from where we were in Teddington to Richmond missing, I would say nine or 10 stops and all the other passengers you need to get on it. So Harry could get to Richmond and have a wee.
0: Uh... Is that ni- nice? A bit weird? When you're when you're like
1: <laughs> 17 or 16 or whatever as we were, you think, oh, that's so cool, man. What now you think that's monumentally selfish. Right, it's time to tell me something I don't know. It's all about exploring some of the most important aspects of football that never get discussed or rarely get discussed, I should say. This episode, we're going to be discussing the role of sports psychologists. What are they and what do they do? Let's bring in Dan Abrahams, sports psychologist, of course, works directly with players, coaches and parents and author of four psychology books, including Soccer Tough and Soccer Tough 2. He's
5: a man of mental steel. Um, Dan, welcome to the show. I'm not sure I'm that, but uh, I don't know if I can practice what I preach, but I try. I try. Um, so, Dan, what has being a sports psychologist actually entailed? Oh, that's a broad question. <laughs> um, I'll try and be as succinct as I possibly can. Look, at at its heart, it's it's helping. Uh, competitors uh, uh, in the sporting world uh, be as mentally skillful I think mentally skillful is a better term than mentally tough mentally skillful as they can possibly be really we work to help players high perform more consistently under pressure we help them become better learners Mm. Um, and we help also on overall well-being and mental health and stuff like that then there's a whole bunch of other things like team teaming and leadership and relationships and day-to-day behaviors and you can get as intricate as you want on all that stuff but performance does lie at the heart of all of this
1: and how important is that mental aspect you hear quite a lot of time kind of layman's terms kind of saying oh yeah he just didn't have it mentally or whatever and you look at players like Ravel Morrison for example (laughs) is the one that kind of springs to mind for me loads of talent but never quite made it and you look at different reasons for that is that mental aspect just as important as the the physical attributes
5: it's all interlinked and I think that's the big challenge when you're trying to untangle this stuff when you're trying to unweave it is that it. they're all linked up, they're all integrated together. It's very difficult to take one away from the other because the the capacity to get the most from yourself physically is influenced by your ability to pay attention under pressure, to compete at the right mental intensity, to execute actions fearlessly, if you like, and and on the front foot. Um, And it's the same with the technical side and the tactical side. So it really is all interlinked. So on, on the one hand, I appreciate it when people say, well, that player that person didn't have it have it mentally Mm. Uh, but what we're trying to do is trying to help coaches and players Mm. link them all together and work mentally as they're working technically tactically and physically but yeah absolutely there are many players competitors who don't learn very effectively Mm. and who don't who aren't very good at competing under pressure irrespective of the skill in their feet or the the skill in their hands
0: but that's the thing. There is so much pressure on these players, especially mm. at a national level. So, how do you help them kind of concentrate and avoid being too influenced by that pressure?
5: Hey, well, there's so many things I could say here, but the most important thing is to—I'm I'm going to be a real psychologist here and, and, <laughs> and say a term—to be—to be, to, to be task focused and action oriented. Nice. Told you, told you, I was going to be a psychologist. <laughs> so, so, so task focused unbeknown to a lot of people actually people talk about the will to win uh, and and the want to perform really well but actually what you're striving to do a lot of the time is actually take players away from got to win got to win got to win got to perform got to perform got to perform perform, perform, onto the specific onto specific controllable tasks that they want to accomplish during a game so if you'd watched England play in the World Cup and England have got a lot better at this deliberately over the last six or seven years because Gareth Southgate has worked with some really good sports psychologists behind the scenes is that those players will probably, probably, rather than being focused on winning, they want to win, we know that, but they will have within their role, the responsibilities in their role, specific tasks that they've got to accomplish um, that are much more controllable than winning or scoring or keeping a clean sheet. The second thing there is action orientation often to self-regulate your emotions, retaining a sense of action, a next action focus, right, next action, next action, next action, actually manages the the thoughts, the feelings and the emotions that come and go as you're competing. So Mm. a task focus, action-oriented, that's a a real snippet of the kind of things that we're doing with competitors.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. A big part of modern football is, sadly, in an interconnected world and a world of social media, the abuse that footballers face. Um yes. I think as England fans, we all kind of um, look back on the, the horrible abuse suffered by Marcus Rashford, Bukayo Saka after the mm-hmm. the Euros final, and that's part, and, oh, sadly, part and parcel of being a footballer these days. Is just uh, idiots saying awful things to you online. Essentially, is part of your role to to help the players deal with that. And how might you do that?
5: Yeah, it, it, it can be. I mean, my role with uh, sp- uh, specific. Clubs, teams, or with specific individuals can vary. But, of course, um, the the thoughts, feelings, emotions that you're experiencing off the pitch or off the field or court, of course, are going to influence what you're experiencing on. And so managing those emotions is important. And, look, I, I'm not going to say anything here that is particularly new if I was to say don't read the stuff. I mean, mm. really, as the case is it's, it's using – It's potentially using social media for them instrumentally, as in, okay, we're going to lay down some tweets that inform my followers of what's going on in in my world and our world in the team. Um, It's engaging in that manner, and it's potentially engaging where you can to positive messages. But by and large, it's, it's understanding I'm going to come back to that term controller controllers mm. controllables again it's understanding that you can't control what other people think mm-hmm. and um accepting accepting that um and simply laying down your tweets and that's it ig- ig- ignore the rest um there's you can't take the pain and the hurt away from players, it's just helping them understand that they are going to experience pain and hurt from the messages that are delivered and you can't control control what those messages contain and helping them just become a little bit better at accepting the internal experiences that they're having from those messages but still focusing on their game their lives and what they do have and being grateful for what they do have
0: so interesting I feel like we could chat to you all day but yeah. before we let you go can you just tell us a bit more about Dan Abraham's Soccer Academy
5: sure well thank you very much for that and, and there's, <laughs> some, there's some books as well uh, there's there's Soccer Tough which if, you, if you're if you interested in this world um, I was very lucky last year Gareth Bale um, decided he was going to uh, um in an interview with a newspaper say it was a a book that changed his life which was very nice of him I don't think it changed his life I think it possibly helped him but so that's Soccer Tough and Soccer Tough 2 which funnily enough is the sequel to Soccer Tough (laughs) um and I've got a couple of other books but those would be the main ones and then the academy is I'm passionate about all those involved in football soccer um to um to work on their mental game so I've got these animated videos they're not children's animated animations they're whiteboard animations which really brings to life the uh, mental side of the game and helps coaches players and parents work together on the mental side so uh, it's great for, for for kids teenagers who are ambitious in the game so if you go pop onto danabrahams.com that might be of might be of interest so yeah
1: i think for for anybody who's who's interested in sport and watches sport and maybe play sport themselves get yourself over to danabrahams.com. you can find all about dan's work there his academy his books It's it's, 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 it's (iamed) genuinely fascinating stuff um thank you very much dan real pleasure chatting to you thank you um so nicole that's it for today um it's the end of the world cup it's the end of the show you
0: sad oh i am quite sad yeah your face it's been fun. Not the show, but the World Cup's yeah. been fun. The <laughs> show's been terrible. I just pulled my
1: headphones out as well, in excitement. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much for, for joining us, Nicole. It's been a real pleasure having you. Thanks for having
0: me. Um,
1: and listen, thank you to everybody who listened as well. Um, we know lots and lots of people have listened to the show. Lots of people have engaged with the videos and stuff. Like, it's been an incredibly controversial World Cup. And I, for one, am very grateful to be able to be part of a World Cup show that gave us a chance to talk about those controversies, address them, and hopefully, actually, um, I think perversely in something that FIFA weren't counting on that's happened across the board with lots of media, actually be able to highlight and draw attention to these causes. It's been a real honour. Thank you for all the guests as well. Thank you to Hannah, I have to say that too. Thank you to producer Maddie. Thank you to Nicole for stepping in today. You can listen back to everything at foodbarradio.com and on your podcasting app of choice. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and have a jolly nice New Year.